is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the seaside town of Edmonds, Washington, where I am currently, right now, at this moment, in the same 20-mile radius as presidential candidate, hopeful, heroine of our country, Hillary Rodham Clinton. And I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. Oh, that threw up in my mouth. And from Hood River, Oregon, I'm Andrew Hoffman. Yeah, old Hillary decided to fly it in, fly into the to the Boeing did she, airfield today. She didn't win Washington, did she? I don't know. I don't know if she did or not. But she or is flew, that that's not even today? It's upcoming. Uh, I think it's still upcoming. But she flew in to speak at the Boeing plant in uh, in Everett there, which is just down the road. I mean, it's right 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 here. The Boeing building, the Boeing. So she was with the the unions down there and giving the. Speech. No, she's she's possibly as we speak giving a speech on uh, from Seattle. So yeah, so she, yeah, she she flew into Boeing and uh, did a speech there with the union in Boeing, and there was a big rally, and I saw pictures on the local news, and then she she's on her way down downtown Seattle to do another rally. I don't know. Uh, burn feeling the burn was here. I think it's Sunday night at uh, Key Arena, former home of the Supersonics, mm-hmm. and he had a pretty big rally. A lot of a lot of people out. Now it is time for Hillary Clinton, or Hillary right. Clinton. So she is out and about, but that is not the big news. You know what the big news is here, and we're, we're gonna go. We're gonna do, go, do this live on the air. All right. You ready? Uh, Here's in Seattle. Here is in this show. Okay. Andrew Hoffman, are you ready to hear a clip from last week's show? Yes. Okay. Just one moment. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I think so. What's up? Is the audio okay? Good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> Are you joking? Getting ready to start posting on Facebook, huh? <laughs> so, Tim, how did that happen? I have no idea. Apparently, you did not do a test call either. I did friend. not do a test call at all, my friend. And <laughs> I have no idea how that happened. And a lot of times, you and I do a show, we're like, yeah, that show wasn't our best, and the audio quality wasn't good because we used the wrong microphone, or I lost it, or something. There's, there's like a judgment call, like, maybe I just shouldn't put this show out there. Um, I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And when I did, when I, I basically slowed my voice down 50%, it made the show twice, like, it made my part of the show, my side of the speech, twice as long. Mm. So within like two minutes or less, the audio was off where you were asking questions and I had our, like, 
I had already answered the question. So yeah. So there was no show happen. last week, man. And I hate to tell you that. And I hate that you and I, I mean, I think I thought about it today and I thought, you know what? Even though I felt terrible, I wanted to tell you, but I just kept thinking I could fix it. I thought about it today and just thought, you know what? We still got together. We hung out with each other. We talked about world events. I mean, it can't be that bad. I mean, I, I never listened to the show anyway. <laughs> Some people probably want, you know, sometimes, you know, I think I think we have a pretty high fail rate. I mean, what do we, what do we fail? Like 5% of our shows or more? Oh, more than 5. Probably <laughs> 10. 10%. 1 in 10 shows. It's a total failure. And I, I appreciate, I really, I am sorry. Like, I... I, I really do appreciate that you are so cool about it, like that you and I waste an hour, literally two hours, uh, once a week, every now and then, and uh, and it doesn't go to anybody. There's, you know, just hours, hours of gold on tape that you and I have never, uh, never even put out there. I, I, Whether I'm I, speaking into the, the I think lap- last week's show was was decent too. Yeah. And we talked about Super Tuesday and everything, and I know I think the show was actually pretty good. Uh, it was weird because I think that my performance wasn't as good as yours. I felt like you were really on point. You had some good good things to say. Uh, we still put out a lot of tweets from all the stories we covered, a lot of topics covered. I couldn't fix it. I, I couldn't fix it. I tried, I tried, and I tried, and I couldn't figure it out. So That's if, crazy. I've never... I have never heard that either. I've never seen that. So, I mean, if anybody out there... Uh, has ever seen that? Uh, I know that some of the pod- there's some podcasters listening to our show. So if you've ever seen or heard some one side of a conversation being just sped up, like it's literally twice as fast. Um, <laughs> please let and me know, know and know what to do to to fix it. Yeah, please. you can put out the lost show. I can put out a lost episode. We'll just have to take you know donations. You have to donate you know thirty three cents to the Andrew Hoffman. Uh, <laughs> medical fund uh and then we'll let you listen to the last show it has to be 33 though <laughs> um the masonic number so there that that is that is all that is going on here hillary clinton is in town i tried to put out a show last week and didn't and was quite frustrated and then and then i go to work today and i always hate it when someone who is a little more plugged into the mainstream media than they should be turns to me and says, did you hear about blank? Mm. And uh, that happened today. Well, I was sitting at my desk this morning and uh, looked at the date, 322, and thought, oh, there's a terror attack day for you. And a couple hours later, I hear... Coworkers, oh, there was a terror attack in Brussels. Wow, I hadn't even put this together yet. And please explain to the uninitiated, the profane, what the three twenty-two is a reference. To. Oh, you know what? I should have thrown in the clip of uh, um, Tim Russert. Tim Russert, asking, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. find it. I'll find it. Yeah, asking George W. Bush about. Skull and Bones at Yale, and he asked him about the 322. Um, then he which, died. Which, okay, I understand that, you know, it's not 322 in other parts of the world, you know, probably Brussels. Um, but that's the day when all the stories are in the Western media. Um, 
and he would say, why are Islamic fundamentalist terrorists, Islamic extremists into numerology? And I would say, they're not, my friend, but um, the powers that shouldn't be certainly are. I think I got it here. You were both in Skull and Bones, the secret society. It's so secret we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go on. I'm sure they are. I don't know. I haven't seen the website. Number 322? <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, he's not the nominee. And, uh, but, uh, look, I look for... Are you prepared to lose? No, I'm not going to lose. You both were members of Skull and Bones, a secret society at Yale. What does that tell us? Uh, not much, because it's a secret. <laughs> Is there a secret handshake? Is there a secret code? I wish there were something secret I could manifest. 322? Secret number? Uh, there are all kinds of secrets, Tim, but one thing is not a secret. I disagree with this president's direction that he's taking the country. We can do a better job, and I intend to do it. And we'll be watching Be Safe on the Campaign Trail. John Kerry, thanks yes, for joining us. And we'll be right back. So, 322, um, so it's, it's part of the Skull and Bones logo, right? I mean, it says... 322 with the or um or with the um who am i saying the yale yeah skull and bones so they've got the skull the bones and the 322 so if you enter what does 322 mean into a search engine of choice um you get a few different explanations it's a reference to Genesis chapter 3 verse 22 ah yes okay then the mighty one said behold the man has become like one of us to know good and evil and now um, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore Yahweh the mighty one sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken don't ask me what version I just read from. Um, I'd like to hear the Michael Heiser version, but uh, so it's it's about knowledge of good and evil. It's about the fall, right? Um, but from a occult, satanic perspective, that's the the good thing, you know, the illumination. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Ye shall be as gods yourself. Yeah. So very interesting. 322. Um, also interesting. Uh, was this article. Actually, we can. You see the fighting talk from the uh, for the EU from Turkey's president? Yes. As Turkey's prime minister meets EU leaders in Brussels, there is fighting talk from the country's president. Recep Tayyip Erdogan has warned EU leaders to consider their own record on migrants before trying to tell Ankara what to do. His country will only listen to external criticism on its rights record when the comments are justified, he says. <laughs> The bombs we've had in Ankara could easily go off in Brussels. Supporters of the PKK are allowed to demonstrate outside the summit venue. 
The EU member states are behaving recklessly. It's as though they're dancing in a minefield. Observers have taken this as an apparent reference to the Kurdistan Workers' Party militant group. A PKK offshoot has claimed responsibility for two suicide bombings in Ankara in the last month that have claimed the lives of 66 people. Erdogan's pledged to amend Turkey's terrorism legislation following the latest attacks. So the bombs that have been going off in Ankara could just as easily be going off in Brussels. Wow. And that came from... Uh, four days ago. <laughs> and the two terror attacks in um, Ankara killed 66 people. An average of how many, Tim? 33. 33. And if, I was just waiting for today's death toll to end up at exactly 33. And last one I saw was 34, so maybe it won't. Hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of take the Derek Gilbert, uh, line on it where there's, there's spiritual forces at work, um, that are shaping these events, you know, that's kind of the, and there, this, there's certainly codes and and messages being sent um, and I would say partially because of the internet, there's a lot more people that know or guess what those mean than there used to be, sure, uh which should I would think help kind of destroy the uh the allure and the um mystery of the secret societies and all the the garbage associated with them. One would think so. I mean, I'm having a, a tough time. I know that uh, on our show we try to, to stay positive and stuff and stuff uh, about the world events and stuff that's going on, put a positive spin on it, let everybody know the world is not, you know, we're not all going to die. But uh, this is, it's funny because on one hand it's like okay so it seems like the eu is going to get its fair share of like terrorist events to scare them into i i don't even know what is it what, do we have a do you think there's an end game here what's the what's the end game uh world government's always the end game yeah what's the short-term game i mean the shorter term than world government death and de- death destruction and crying out for government to, to save us okay I'm going to ask you something, Andrew. Okay. This happened in the 1970s. Do you think that the local news would lead with it? The local news. So a terror attack in Belgium. Yes. In the 1970s. Would the local news lead with it? Uh, Maybe the local news would lead with local news. I I, I would think so. Uh, You look back at the 70s, you know, the Iran-Contra was front page news and stuff but there's some other events that happen you know a bombing at LaGuardia airport didn't we look into this as a bombing at LaGuardia airport or something in like the 70s and it barely you know registered on the national news you know a couple people killed um but now in this age of just you know fully connected insanity everybody has to know everything all the time and Mm -hmm. uh 30 people are dead and I don't want to to 
diminish the death of 30 people trust me i don't but i don't i don't think that the the coverage is justified by the amount of dead does that make sense i feel like right. the cover the coverage well if if 30 people were killed in a drone attack uh over the weekend in yemen no coverage whatsoever uh but if 30 people killed in Brussels, English-speaking... I don't even know if they speak English, but it's the head of the EU, so... Right, the European leaders were there, which... Turkey's prime minister was probably saying the bombs could start going off in Brussels because they were in Brussels at the time. Right. Um, And there's an ISIS flag nearby. ISIS flag. So, I know we've talked about this on our show, and we're not the only ones... But the whole security theater TSA thing, and what did we always say? Like, if they want to blow something up, they'll just go and blow up all the people standing in line to go through the security checks. And that's what they did? That's exactly what happened. And uh, the news... Oh, let's see if I... Okay. Well, I think it might take forever to find it, because there's a Fox News clip where they're explaining... um, amazing how they know this you know death destruction and mayhem and they say they the two uh people that actually blew stuff up because there was three of them but then one of them didn't like ran off and didn't blow anything up um he was he was the handler as they call him right uh the isis handler yeah i'm sure isis handler (laughs) um but they went into these the numbered aisles and they chose aisle number three and aisle number 11. Wow. Which again, um, you know, 11's in a big occult number and three times 11 is 33, 33. Um, but it was interesting. The news made a like, a, how would you know? Like, okay. You wouldn't be paying any attention whatsoever until a bomb went off and you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell, like, well, maybe you would eventually, but um, it seems like a, a strange detail to come out of it. And then, B, this is going to result in more, you know, police state, um, more fear-mongering on, on a host of different issues, and yet it this event should show how absurd the security measures at airports are. Because you could just walk in and blow up the people that are you just, in line. Yeah. You can kill them before they get on the plane. Is that Are they less dead because they weren't on the plane yet? <laughs> so. Well, and it, I would, I think if, I had the, if the Andrew Hoffman Twitter account was active, I think that the question, are, we, are, are the, ter- are the uh, victims less dead because they weren't on the plane would be something that the, the Andrew Hoffman Words of Wisdom terror, or ter- not terror account, but Twitter account could tweet out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, you've probably done it too. You go through and you've, they say your tube of toothpaste is too big. Throw it out right here in this trash can in front of me. Could be a bomb. Throw it out in the trash can right in front of me. Yeah. Just yeah. Dump out all these dump out all your liquid in this thing. Dump oh out. that bottled water? Yeah. Uh might you can't have that. You gotta dump it out right here in front of me. So in this in this giant fifty gallon trash can that yeah. uh 
With all the other potential bomb items that are... <laughs> Yeah. Which is nothing, it's nothing but water. It's nothing but tubes of toothpaste and bottle of water. Yeah, and everybody knows that. Um, but there's no, there's no common sense. No. And yet these guys walk in looking all crazy with like one glove. Each of them has one black glove on. Yeah, that's not weird. And yeah, yeah, whatever. Just let them. I guess the taxi driver said, yeah, it was, they didn't want me handling any of their luggage. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. You with the one glove. Is that a four-ounce bottle of toothpaste? Yeah. So, it's it's very sad. I um, The, I guess, mainstream media explanation, or at least the... The Fox News explanation is this is retaliation for arresting the um, gay ISIS Paris attack leader. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. That was yesterday, the day before. So that the arrest happened a couple days ago. Okay, yeah. yeah. They caught him. That's not the same person, by the way, turns to me. Hey, they caught him. Oh, great. Who who, who did they catch? Hey, did you hear they caught him? Oh, great. Did you hear about this, like, four-month manhunt, though? I mean, what, I don't... Yeah. It's just it's... like, yeah, he's the most wanted man in the world, and everybody's been looking for him for four months. It's like... He's in the same neighborhood that the attacks it? went down in? No, he was He was in the same... Uh, he was in Brussels, okay. right? Okay, yeah, yeah. But it's in, so, like, some area where they can't tell... Like, the police claim that they can't to go into or come out of because it's nothing but yeah he's just at home living with mom no big deal muslim extremists or whatever yeah it's uh and of course they had the people on the broadcast from brussels saying we never thought it could happen here it's like well there was a lot of people saying it could happen there for you to not think that was a possibility i mean other than like New York City, where the head of the UN is, or the the UN headquarters is, wouldn't the U- EU headquarters be like spot number two? Is the EU headquarters still in Brussels? Well, the you know the European Union has to have like multiple headquarters, but yes, as as they refer to it on the No Agenda show, Starfleet Command. <laughs> so, because uh, Nigel Farage is always. Referring to Brussels. Brussels. Stay off the small planes, Nigel. Yeah. Um, Also, although he must play some sort of a role, I don't. He's been. So, uh, in January, Donald Trump referred specifically to Brussels as a once beautiful city that's become a an absolute hellhole. Which full of Muslim extremists, Muslim terrorists. So, can we talk about this uh, migrant crisis here for a second? Yes. The let's let's talk about a couple things. Um, one, uh, I had uh, my uh, pa- the pastor of the church that I attend actually was in Frankfurt, Germany, and mm-hmm. he said that there are some crazy amounts of people who are Muslims who are learning about Jesus and becoming Christians, which is kind of neat. 
Uh, that is neat. Uh, he said that it, it's like there are Syrian refugees coming in. They're being helped out at different coffee shops by different Christian groups and whatnot. Uh, this uh, church movement that he uh, was a part of, um, not that it was our church in particular, but anyway, uh, they basically just set up a coffee shop and were feeding and, and, and giving coffee to immigrants and trying to speak to them, you know, and, and using basically, he said, he said pretty much the app Google, there's like a Google Translate app. And like people like had it on their phone and would like speak into it and then show the screen to the person across from them who would take the phone and then speak into it and then shows. So it's kind of cool or type it in, trying to text each other back and forth. Um, but he saw like numerous people come to Jesus, like, like excited, like, how do I learn about, G- how do I learn to follow Jesus? Like people are like asking this question. Um, and you know, so much so that we're actually going to be sending some, uh, missionaries to frankfurt to just kind of help with the effort there to to uh you know with the refugees and whatnot which is an aspect of the refugee crisis we haven't heard anything about so it's kind of neat to hear that -hmm. that's what's going on uh what we do continue to hear about though and uh uh, not as much but i have a friend uh, who works for a certain car manufacturer in sweden which should be pretty obvious, but uh, he is telling me that there are a ton of refugees like in Hmm. Sweden right now, like tipping the tip, like the tipping point has like passed, like, like, you know, the social safety net in the, uh, in Norway and Sweden is enormous. And that's supposedly like the promised land. If you can get all the way through Europe and then take a ferry to Sweden or Norway, it's like, you're good. (laughs) You know, once you get in there, um, but the, the tipping point has kind of come where it, the, the government is actually supposedly not even really able to sustain the amount of influx of people that they're getting. And this is a completely socialist country with like, you know, 50% tax income tax and whatnot. So, um, that's another aspect that's not being talked about too much. And then the other one, uh, you know, what is being talked about to some degree, at least in some Western media, is the kind of rape and crime wave that's happening. And, mm-hmm. and they're really in a, in a, in a, I think the EU in general is in a tough spot here. Uh, because, I mean, with that amount of people, there's going to be an influx of all kinds of things, including, you know, rape and crime and murder and, and stuff like that. Um, but it's kind of hard. Can you imagine? All right, you and I, we're hanging out here. We both live in Edmonds in this imaginary story. And all of a sudden, there's like 20,000 Syrian refugees in, you know, or let's say 10, since it's only like 30,000 30, people here. Mm-hmm. And crime goes way up. And there's a lot of like rapes and, uh, you know, molested, molestations and break-ins. Now, we can't go out on the streets and, and like arrest every refugee and say that they are ruining the country. Like not all refugees are committing these crimes, but the people that are committing these crimes oftentimes are refugees, which creates a huge problem. Like Europe is so politically correct, like way more than we are here that they can't even acknowledge like some real, you know, literal issues that they're having with the refugee crisis is that, you can't even like like it's, well it's, those you can't print in a uh, German newspaper um, that you think that it's going to be uh, you think the refugees are bad. German newspapers have taken down the comment section on a lot of their article on a lot mm-hmm. of their stories, especially ones that have to do with refugees, because they don't want people to say that they're anti-refugee on the comment section. 
I mean, they've kind of painted themselves into this very strange, uncharted corner that I don't see how they get out of it. Um, it's 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 a huge, huge, huge mess, and it's made worse by people like you're saying with the uh, the the terrorists who come into the airport, just not using common sense, just doing what you know is supposedly right according to the government, which is you know not being judgmental and politically correct well did you hear about the hate crime in my hometown i did not please tell me oh this is this is like oregon-wide news man probably probably actually bigger than that uh cozen samson i think is his name or his like buddhist monk name anyway he's a um buddhist monk or maybe wannabe Buddhist monk, but I, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Buddhist monk. Um, and he claims to have been um, dragged from his car, thrown to the ground, kicked, and that the person assaulting him yelled, like, get out of here, you effing Muslim. Okay. So, just to be clear... Not a Muslim. Buddhist. Yeah. Uh, wearing a robe? I don't... It, it like doesn't dress anything like a Muslim. Um, so there were uh, peace vigils in town. Mm. Yes, where all the kind of liberal... Um, you know, like the Unitarian church and churches like that got together and peace vigil because apparently it just everybody's ready to attack Muslims around here mm-hmm. um, now I, I believe I've actually met the guy I think I've talked to him Wow. so I uh, I have no reason to doubt his story but this entire thing and it's become like self-flagellating guilt of like how evil and racist we all are because of this happening, um, it's totally no other witnesses. No, just he says this happened, um, and you know he's he's a hero because he responded so magnanimously and said he's glad it happened to him and not a real Muslim, and because he's a Buddhist and well, you know, peace and wonderful. Buddhistness, um, but it's the the cynical part of me just wonders if it actually a did happen, or you know got drastically blown out of out of proportion there. But um, anyway, it it just shows. So then there's there's kind of like if you do bring up uh, any anti-immigration thing you're that guy you're the guy kicking the buddhist monk on the ground yeah 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 Yeah. and when i lived in phoenix phoenix became the kidnapping capital of north america uh and guess what lots of mexican gangs doing the kidnapping right it's not like all the mexican immigrants or or, uh people in, in phoenix were uh kidnapping people Right. But the people that were kidnapping people were Mexican. Yeah. 
and affiliated with those with those gangs. And by the way, lots of from lots of other countries other than Mexico, kind of like many Syrian refugees aren't really Syrian refugees. Like, oh yeah, I'm from Syria. Are you, let, are you letting people in from Syria? I'm from Syria. Right. So. Right. Well, um, and, and it, it's one of those issues where there's not like, um, oh, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. It's yeah. kind of like bad guys on both sides of the issue. <laughs> do, do you not uh, pay attention to the, uh, to the house of representatives or the Senate? Cause, uh, in Congress, they, they, they talk about bad guys, uh, and good guys all the time. I mean, they, they were able to figure it out. I don't know why you're having such a tough time. Well, on the one side, you've got the, um, oh, we need to be welcoming, but we need to do thorough vetting of everyone that comes in. And if there's anything, like any fairyland, fairy wonderland, it's believing that government bureaucracy can effectively vet the intentions of people before they (laughs) enter the country. They can't. They can't tell what country they're from, much less like what their intentions are. <laughs> so this this is just as effective as the Canadian border guard saying, "Why are you going to Canada? <laughs> my Why be- do you want to go to Canada?" My beautiful wife recently went to Canada and was asked the exact same question and responded with, "To buy a piece of furniture that I found online, an antique fur- piece of furniture I found online." The guy's like, okay, you're good. So on the way back through, why did you go to Canada? She like turns over her shoulder to buy this uh, piece of furniture that's in the back. Okay, you're free to go. (laughs) Yes, very challenging questions there. Are you driving to California? Do you have any fruit in the car? I got some cocaine, a couple guns. No, they don't ask that. No, I know. Do you have any fruit? Oh, I'm sorry. No, no fruit though. No fruit. I... Actually, here's an apple. Maybe I'll give you this. I'll I'll hang on to my cocaine and guns. Are there any fruit flies attached to your fruit? Yeah. So I've got no faith in that. And then I've also got um, the opposite of faith in Donald Trump's ability to uh, figure out which ones the bad guys are and torture out of them where all their friends are at. Because that's what he's saying. We're going to worse than waterboarding. Why weren't we worse than waterboarding the guy that, you know, the the gay ISIS guy um, that we arrested? Which, by the way, are we going to talk about that? Well, it's it's uh, to me, it's a callback to the 9-11. You know, it's. The 9/11. Islamic extremist hijackers who hung out in strip clubs and snorted cocaine and everything else. Yeah, I felt the same way. Thought, oh wow, this is an in- this is an interesting radical Muslim, right? This is an this guy. It's almost like he's got blackmail material on him, and he's being used by intelligence intelligence agencies. Hmm. Hmm. And yet he still comes out of all this alive once again. Beautiful, beautiful. So, I guess uh, I, I guess 
you know, my takeaway is for people out there, don't make them uh, make you hate and don't make them make you afraid because no, no good can come of either one of those things. So. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's good words of wisdom right there. But at at the same time, that, that doesn't mean we uh, just believe in the fairy godmother government to keep everyone safe and happy and they're going to take care of everything, which we know is, is not going to happen. But you're still more likely to get uh, killed by a deer than by a terrorist. A deer? Yes. Wow. And, you know, bumblebees, bathtubs, <laughs> lots lots of other things, too. You got to do something about the bathtub epidemic. Yeah. Uh, should we switch gears? Please. So, um, man pled guilty to massive celeb nude hack from BuzzFeed. So... The main the story that hit the mainstream and was in the mainstream for a long time was that the iCloud accounts of all those celebrities was hacked, right? Um, do you remember? I don't. I don't well, yeah, I, we I, talked I do about remember, this. but I don't remember the yeah. Like if they said the iCloud was account at hacked or the actual phones, it, they were saying the iCloud account backups were actually hacked. So iCloud, oh, okay. so the iCloud is a backup of the phone in the cloud. And they were saying it was supposedly hacked. I remember we discussed this because this was right before Apple Pay came out. Uh, but I thought found this to be interesting because this was uh, this story just came out this last week. A man who allegedly stole hundreds of nude photos from celebrities in a massive hack that targeted Jennifer Lawrence, Lee Michelle, and Kirsten Dunst plans to plead guilty. Authorities announced on Tuesday. This will be last Tuesday. As part of a deal with prosecutors, Ryan Collins, 36, will plead guilty to one felony for unauthorized access of a protected computer, according to the Justice Department. Prosecutors say Collins, who lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, used a phishing scheme between 2012 and 2014 that involved sending emails requesting usernames and passwords from its targets. The emails were designed to look like they were from Apple and Google and came from addresses including no reply help desk 118 at outlet.com and secure help desk 119 at gmail.com according to court documents once the targets responded collins allegedly used the information he received to steal personal information including nude photos he used a computer to program to download the entire contents of the icloud accounts court documents state Collins accessed at least 50 iCloud accounts and 72 Gmail accounts, most of which belonged to female celebrities, prosecutors said. Photos were eventually uh, photos eventually made their way to websites, including 4chan and Reddit, where they quickly spread. The Justice Department did not specify which celebrities Collins allegedly targeted, but did, did say he was involved in Celebgate, another name for the massive hack that was widely referred to on the Internet. Other celebrities targeted in the hack also include Anna Kendrick, Cora, and on and on and on. While prosecutors believe Collins hacked and stole the photos, it's still unclear how those images made it onto the internet. Authorities say they have not uncovered any evidence linking Collins to the actual leaks or that he shared or uploaded the information he obtained. Assistant U.S. Attorney Ryan White told BuzzFeed News investigators 
used IP addresses to zero in on Collins in September 2014, just weeks after the photos appeared on the internet. Collins, who had not been taken into custody, uh, faces a maximum of five years in prison. As part of the deal, prosecutors have agreed to recommend an 18-month sentence. I thought that was at least noteworthy to find out that he didn't actually hack the iCloud and Google right. accounts, that it was just a phishing scheme where these... <laughs> just, so... Everything's phishing schemes. It's yeah. like all there is. That's all there is. Hey. Like if you don't click on links in emails that look fishy, you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> just, if you don't give your name and password to a no reply at the help desk email address, <laughs> you won't have your photos that are on your phone leaked onto the internet or i've, I've got a great idea hold on a second wait, i think wait. i know where you're going with this <laughs> i've just got this all right great uh, hold on a second maybe you Let me put on my thinking cap maybe okay. you shouldn't have naked pictures of yourself oh come on, on andrew that's crazy <laughs> that's just crazy everybody has naked pictures of themselves on their phone right andrew um no what that no. that's just weird buddy you're you're <laughs> a weird guy weird guy yeah anyway as the uh as the as the entire uh spectacle that is apple versus the government encryption versus non-encryption very intelligent people telling me i mean i, I spoke to an attorney this last week and and uh, just said, hey, what's your thoughts on this? You know, he's a very successful attorney in the Seattle area. I thought, hey, he's a person to ask. Literally, he result he, he, he actually, after defending the FBI, uh, saying that they should t- Apple should turn over the information. And I'm not even getting into whether what part of that whole story is real and what's not. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. just wanted to speak to him. He said uh, that he felt like Apple should turn it over and that he just wants to feel safe. Oh, would that make you feel safe? I, I guess. I just, I just, he just wants to, you know, I just want to feel safe, he said. And I just thought, wow, that's kind of where we are right now, huh? That's yep. un- That's unfortunate. And then today I kind of floated a few ideas to people just like, you know, I'm trying not to be super extreme in my uh, older age, uh, but I'm just trying to say like, hey, this all seems fake. Anyone? Anyone? Right. Yeah. <laughs> this all seems, oh, it's all staged. Is it? Do you think so? Yeah, people. Some someone said, "Yeah, it's all stage. It's all just fake." But I think ISIS is really out there. They're really doing these things. But it's all just put together, and it's like, okay, I'm not sure I follow. But I'm I'm glad that I was <laughs> able to just throw one out there and get a. See, I'm, I have my own fishing schemes at work. I throw yes, I'm fishing yeah. fishing for responses for the show. Yes. <laughs> I, so that's that is what I did. um yeah that's it is interesting and uh i don't know if you've run into this tim if you want to make a network engineer upset just use the term cloud (laughs) what you mean an offsite server is that what you mean yeah. Because there's no cloud. There's no clouds. There's no data <laughs> up in the clouds floating around up there that we can just pull down. There's servers that are in your building and there's servers that are not in your building. <laughs> so I have a close friend or family member who works for one of the big technology companies. 
as a tech support person. He says that anytime you mention to a majority of this company's customers through tech support that their information may or may not be stored in the cloud, people start to lose it. (laughs) What? I don't want the cloud. I I think there's enough of my information. Like they totally start to flip out. Like just the idea, the mention of cloud in their, their, in, in connection with their device just mm-hmm. flips people out. So it's funny that the IT people are talking about offsite servers, not floating clouds and the uh, tech support people are having to fight. I would, he, I would guess a majority of older customers who are saying, what, what? I don't want the cloud. What is the cloud? The cloud? I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> it's built well, <laughs> built into your device. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm a fan of it, but it's, there's a, there's a, uh, I think I think these are both. I think these are two sides to the same coin. I think the IT person's mad at the people who are who are calling it the cloud. The person who doesn't like that it's called the cloud is mad at the same thing, and that's just basically that they don't understand exactly what the cloud is. Right. Yeah. So, do you know where this show goes once it's uh, edited? Hopefully, correctly, not twice the speed, <laughs> and uh, and put and then uh, and then uploaded. Do you know where it goes? Um, it probably goes to someone who is kind enough to host our show. No, it goes to the cloud, buddy. <laughs> Dropbox, to be exact. Okay, the Dropbox cloud. There is somebody who's kind enough to host the website, but the show goes to Dropbox, goes to the cloud, so everybody downloads it from the cloud. Yeah. So, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, but... Um, Janet Yellen? No, no. <laughs> uh, Jiggy? Gigi? Oh, G- Gigi. I, think, I think Gigi. Oh, yes, are we talking about... Uh, Gigi Bowman. Yeah. So, she's a... Uh, Liberty activist, her um, blog is the Liberty Activist blog, and it's uh, the title is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Clean Food. Okay. So, and she expresses something that I think there is, um, there's a lot of this out there. Okay, I'm ready. All right. So... <laughs> why I am voting for Donald Trump in the primary. Make no mistake, Hillary is your next master in office. Nothing will stop that from happening. It's a long it's been a long time coming, and of course the GOP want to have insurance for the Clinton Bush globalist agenda that's been written into the future history books since before Orwell wrote nineteen eighty four. So they have their little bobbleheads standing on the sidelines in all directions, from Cruz to Rubio to Kasich to Romney, and even Condoleezza Rice has been thrown in for a possible good measure. They tried to sell Brother Jeb, but you know how that went. When Hillary takes the reins, it won't be communism or soft socialism. It will be slave versus master world government, and the monsters will have been controlling the strings for quite some time. <laughs> um, who have been controlling the strings for quite some time will be eating your children. Not an overstatement or any mean or anything. Don't we'll eat s- me, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Don't eat me, Hillary Clinton. Exactly. Uh, what, what's to stop this from happening? 
Probably nothing, but I'm giving it one last shot. His name is Donald Trump and he hasn't read the entire playbook. He had the nerve to actually step up and run for office because it's the last notch in his belt. What else doesn't he have? Besides an ego the size of a large mountain, he's been a very savvy businessman for quite a long time. Only thing is, he's kind of green on the political front, and I do understand that he keeps changing his mind. But before he ran for governor of New York and people like Carl Palladino got in his ear and started teaching him about the Second Amendment, he really didn't know a heck of a lot about the Constitution. But he listens and learns and has brought up lots of things that seem to be the same reason that so many non-political people have woken up over the years and have been changed, including myself. Common Core, GMO food, mandatory vaccines, a huge deficit caused by the support of far-off lands in a foreign policy run by a worldwide police state, the USA and a trade policy, um, or the USA being that worldwide police state, and a trade policy that gave away our jobs and was poisoning us with lead. But I digress. My point here is that so many people are angry to the point that where it can no longer be ignored, and all his anger seems to be have a savior in Donald Trump. Is Donald Trump my savior? No, not by a long shot. But I don't believe we can be saved. Ron Paul was my one last hope, and though this man woke up quite a few, including myself and the friends I hold dear, he did not have the following that Donald Trump has amassed due to eight years of Obama. So I'm voting for Donald Trump. Why? Make no mistake, I'm not voting for him for any other reason than I want to be one of the votes that projects him uh, into the front runner of the GOP, only to have it stolen from him <laughs> by the... Um, she uses some strong language, so cover your children's ears here. Uh, the bastards who are having orgies with the Clintons in the back room because they're scared to death. If they don't, they will all be completely and politically castrated. <laughs> um... Uh, let's skip that sentence. Make no mistake, we are going to war when Hillary takes office, and that war will be fought on American soil when she sells us out to the highest bidder because she doesn't um, um, doesn't give a damn where she's standing. This is world government, and the plan is to have it all wrapped up by 2030. I am voting for Trump for one reason. He will lose the GOP nomination, and one of the members of this elite club will be the new puppet of the month to make it look like a fight when they hand the crown over to Hillary. But here's the thing. The American people are angry, and the American people might just be angry enough when one, when their one great hope gets his nomination stolen from him at the RNC. These people aren't going to take it like the Ron Paul supporters did or the Barry Goldwater supporters did. These people are going to fight back and burn the house down. And the house needs to burn if we ever want to get our country back from the clutches of the evil empire. I'm voting to burn the house down. This is our last chance to get that done. Let the war begin on our soil, because if we don't take back the power, you just might be speaking one world language, enjoying a one world religion, and spending IMF money from your little plastic cards that may ration you if you try and take more than your share. Donald Trump is the last thing standing between you and one world government. Burn that house of cards down before it's too late. So, um, the kind of uh, blanket and burn the house down is quite possibly the perfect synopsis of the Donald Trump presidential appeal. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, when Ron Paul was running, it was kind of like, you know, all right, people, this is kind of our last chance here. Let's 
turn things around. This would make a huge difference. But it was kind of fanciful and, you know, lots of people didn't even know who Ron Paul was. Let's, let's be honest. Sure. Um, and, you know, oh, libertarians, they're kooky. They, 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 Christian conservatives will never vote for them, so they have no chance in the Republican Party. They don't even uh, want to send troops overseas. Yeah, it's crazy. So you've got Donald Trump, who, who honestly, he's politically is not that extreme at all. Like he's uh, strong on illegal immigration, right? And that's about it. He's not like really questioning the Fed. Same, we're get, getting ripped off in trade deals, but that's very vague. Like, okay, I'll make a better trade deal. Whatever. But he's captured the the zeitgeist of, like, people know they're getting ripped off. Yeah. And they know that um, that something is happening and the, the country's getting taken away from them. It's not because anyone actually thinks that Donald Trump will do anything about it. I mean, I think there are people who believe that, but this is much more about like kind of middle fingers in the air uh, to the Republican establishment and the political establishment as a whole. than it is about like, I really like his ideas. He's going to help things out. He's going to fix things. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think that, uh, you remember the episode we did when I came back from Oklahoma where I had a long conversation with an 83-year-old man who, I can't remember his exact age, but he was in his 80s, uh, who was like, I'm voting for Trump! And like mm-hmm. just like blew my wife's hair back, was like just super intense about how awesome Donald Trump was. Um, but that, I think I don't think that, that he actually, like to your point i don't think that he actually thought it would make the country better it was more just he wanted to see somebody go in there and mess stuff up yeah he can't be bought he said he can't be bought (laughs) he's gonna go in there and make 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 a mess of things he's gonna you know we're finally gonna get something really going on around here you know something well yeah and i and these people have been in a Washington DC bubble. I mean, Washington DC's economy and the surrounding like rich suburbs has been great the last eight years. Hmm. I mean, absolutely great because the federal government's the only federal government. And then, um, the non-federal reserve, that's the only source of wealth, just government contracts getting dished out. Um, you know, agencies growing, uh, the Pentagon crying when they get a 6% raise on their budget instead of 8%, you know, oh, the sequester, we're in danger now. Um, and that's related to this article that comes from the conspiracy website, uh, Yahoo Finance. Ah. Oh. Okay. Um, that old conspiracy rag. Yeah. Um, the Fed caused 93% of the entire stock market's move since 2008. Analysis. So this guy, uh, I'm not going to recommend that you you play the video. Um, because he's like all about the charts, right? Which doesn't 
doesn't transfer very well to a podcast. Um, but basically what they did is they looked back, you know, like 60 years and tried to figure out what was the, what was the major factor that correlated with the increase in uh, the stock market for these different kind of bubble times. So you had kind of like, like the dot-com bubble of the 90s. You've got, um, you know, other, um, you know, monetary policy bubbles and what, what have you. So this, he says, is the Fed bubble. It corresponds exactly, um, <laughs> and, you know, his little charts show it. I thought it was interesting because I think that's pretty accurate because what's changed since 2008? Like the real economy is not that much better than 2008, yet the stock market is more than doubled. No, almost tripled, right? 6,600 and it almost hit 20,000. Yes, it's uh, almost doubled, more than doubled. The stock market has more than doubled. Yes, almost tripled. Yes, and that's all because of? 93% of it, according to this um, analyst, who's not like a, he's, it's not like Peter Schiff or someone who's always anti-Fed. No. It's just. I mean, like, he's on, yeah, freak, he's on Yahoo happened. Finance. He's on freaking Yahoo Finance. Yeah. So, which, which sounds about right. So it's 93% the Fed and then 7% people like jumping in because they see it going up. Well, you remember when we first started the show, I was really interested in the financial markets and looking into that and trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but the the conclusion I eventually came to was there, I mean, the guessing, I don't know. And this is just maybe just, may just be my own view and my own laziness or whatnot. But the guess, I could guess at what was going to happen and when until the cows come home, but pretty much the game is rigged and the music will continue to go until they want it to stop. Yes. And that was kind of where I lost interest in continuing to look at it. Um, because I felt like it was taking up a lot of my time and energy and, you know, you don't want to get in that weird, like, I think we've all been there, like that weird conspiracy theory hole where like, everything is terrible. Everything's going to mm -hmm. be bad. You don't want to be there either. And I just, that's the kind of the conclusion I came to. The, the music will stop at some point, but there's no telling when or how uh, because it'll, it will continue until they want it to stop unless they lose control of it. And I think that there has been some signs in the last year that they might be losing control of it. But anyway, that's been my experience that uh, it'll go until they want it to stop. So, and there, but it is probably a good idea to keep in mind that there is nothing really holding it up yeah, except yeah. the fed yeah yeah um yeah it's hard to not talk about it have you seen the big short uh no but i've heard the podcast about the big short oh from james corbett i have not heard yeah. that yet but i did read the book by michael lewis and then uh, just watched the big short recently with my wife it's all in all pretty decent movie uh pretty they they had to cut out a lot obviously as i think they do with most books uh but it was a decent movie uh, a little bit more rooted in truth than what, most things that what I about the book that i see come out uh, across the the airwaves i loved the book i thought it was fascinating um 
it kind of focuses on a couple of uh, unlikely characters mm-hmm. uh, that uh, were able to to see, you know, the trends before it happened. And basically, you know, some guys invented, you know, the, the short for shorting the housing market in order to make money off of it uh, because it had it wasn't even a, a, a tool right. that was around to to be used. And of course, they made a lot of money doing it, but. Um, I guess the reason I liked it, I liked the book so much and uh, then then the movie is because it's a lot of people who always question authority, who are kind of outcasts, who are just like, this is not right. This is not right. This is not mm-hmm. right. Um, anyway, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But it, it did kind of leave you with this feeling like, uh, well, I mean, the, to just to kind of, and I don't think this ruins it by any means for anybody, but after the big kind of big reveal towards the end of the movie, uh, it says... Hey, at least we'll get to see some of these guys go to jail. I mean, they're real criminals. I can't believe they did this. And then they kind of pause the movie and they say, and that's right. After that, Wall Street was, you know, descended upon by the feds and several bankers were arrested and went to jail. And there was complete reform and the government and the SEC were able to monitor the Wall Street's uh, bank dealings, you know, afterwards. And there's never been a situation that's ever happened like this again. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then it just said, no, basically this one guy <laughs> is the only guy that went to jail. Some it's, I know, from some random, some like, dude, wasn't it some foreign bank? Yes, yeah, from, from UBS or Bank of Switzerland. No, not even like a big one. Like yeah. just some random. He, but he made like $2 billion shorting the market or something. Yeah. So he went to jail. That guy. That's it. That's it. And uh, then... Uh, Anybody from Goldman Sachs go to jail? No. Mm. And Goldman's role throughout the whole thing in the book, too, is, is pretty funny. Anytime anybody... It's like... Anyway. They had their thumbs up their butts the whole first part of the book. And then towards the end of the book, like Goldman's the first one to get wise to it. And all of a sudden, they start trading in this thing that they were selling like crazy. Uh, right. Because they thought it was a hilarious thing to sell this this moron. All these uh, these things that would never happen. And all of a sudden, they started buying them all up. And <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a decent movie. So I got to check out uh, James Corbett's podcast on that. I've been interested to hear what he had to say about it. Yeah. But film uh, literature in the new world order. That's right. Uh, where you have been featured at least once, maybe twice. Just once. Oh, I think just once. Yeah, just once. Well, there you go. Film literature, the new world order at Corbett Report. Dot com. He you got, you got anything else for us, Tim? I don't. I don't know that I do. Do you? What do you think? I mean, what's the overall... I mean, everybody's going to wonder what we're going to say about this. I mean, it's day one. I think we you've said everything you wanted to say. It's Skull and Bones Day. And yeah. there's an attack. And to me, it just looks like they're going to 9-11 the heck out of that place. It's weird. There hasn't been any terror attacks here. It's all just foiled plots and and teenagers being shot in the street and being us being told that they're terrorists. Well, and you could tell, like, the San Bernardino stuff wasn't, wasn't the same because we haven't heard about it every day since. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it... There was certainly coverage of it. Other than the app, his, the guy's, I think the San Bernard, I've heard about the San Bernardino's Other than killer's the phone, phone yeah, more than I've heard guy's about. Phone. Yeah. Like, he'll be more dead if we can just hack into his phone. Yeah, if we could just hack his, like, 
What's on there? It's, that's the other funny thing too. It's like you get it on was there. It's his work like, phone too. Yeah, you get on there and what, you find out that there's an encrypted app on there called, you know, whatever. I mean, I think we there's been a couple, you know, encrypted apps, which is hilarious because even if it's you somehow get the back door into Apple's phone, then you got the encrypted, you know, different ways people talk to each other. It's pretty yeah. cra- pretty crazy. Uh, how many people use what? FBI is just dragging up the data in real time anyway. So yeah. And NSA, but that's true, man. That's a, and that's a total. That's totally. That's totally legit. I mean, if the cell phone companies are are hacking your data and your, remember we talked about this before. If they already yeah. got your GPS coordinates and they got it on your phone that doesn't isn't even smart, then right. I mean, the game is already halfway over. Yeah, this. And I have a good friend named Abby from Chile who insists that the uh, the spying the spying uh, uh, apparatus is in the chipset of all of our computers and, and devices. So hmm. that's that is him, and he is more technologically savvy than me. On occasion, he'll go on long rants to convince me of this. I still don't 100% buy it, but he has some interesting points. Hey, shout, hey. shout out to Abby in Chile! Yay, Chile! Also, hello to Ellie, Paul's daughter, Ellie. She listens to the show every week. Sorry for the bad language, Ellie. <laughs> well, she covered her ears. I mean, you said cover your ears. Yeah, I did say cover your ears. Hey, Anonymous just declared war on Donald Trump, so I guess all our problems are over. Is, so, is there any... Do you need any more proof that the that the, that the establishment... Is behind anonymous than that? I mean, is there yeah. any, is there anything else you need? Well, so um, Justin Amash, okay. he's a congressman mm-hmm. in the Ron Paul mold, which is why you'd never hear about him. Uh, he said he is anti-anti-Trump. I'm down with that. You don't necessarily so, like Trump, but you you don't like all the people who don't like Trump, right? Yeah, like all the people that. And I mean, there's people that really hate Trump. Like, really, really, really hate Trump. Well, that was one of the things that was in our last episode where I talked about Sasha Baron Cohen's new movie where he gets eight, where Donald Trump gets AIDS at the end of it. And he's on a a morning show being interviewed and talks about how it's kind of weird that he made this movie with this, you know, finale where Donald Trump gets AIDS and to watch people around the world give like standing ovations at the scene, like cheering. It's weird. You have a, a couple of jokes about Donald Trump, which I'm not going to spoil. Uh, partly well, because... well, it's a fairy tale ending, so Donald <laughs> Trump contracts HIV at the end. How, when, I saw, when I saw the film last week, I assumed these were last-minute sort of additions to the script. Yeah, that, that was in the last few months. I mean, what's been interesting, I've just come around, uh, we've just shown the movie in Germany, Holland, England, around America, and, you know, Norway, Spain... And when Donald Trump contracts HIV, people are standing up and applauding. And to me, that's pretty worrying, because if he does become president, you know, the hatred of this guy is so extreme that people will, uh, wish ill on him. It is uh, borderline disturbing. It's an interesting phenomenon. I think it's a smaller... Um, kind of substrata of the overall effect of mass media, though. 
like the the fact that people can get this upset about Donald Trump um, hmm. or these other things happening that really have i mean fairly minimal effect on on people's lives absolutely no it's and it's it's the cell phone man it's the smartphones and the and the constant contact of your computer um that's that's what's doing it you know people feel like you know that between your bedroom you know between the moment you get up from the living room you know spending time with your family to go into your bedroom and go to sleep you would never in a million years think about attacking brussels unless you were taking your phone in to plug it in next to your bed to wake you up with the alarm or something like this i mean this is and it's constant you know you use the phone you look at it you and boom there's the news you look through and and then oh the terrorist attack so you feel, it makes it feel like you've encountered a terrorist between the living room and the bedroom <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah. you haven't you've just read about it you've just like it's just out there and if you don't limit the amount of that crap you take in it's going to it'll consume you and it's not just terrorist stuff it's your work it's anything it, it right. can consume you yeah, I don't check my email, my work email at home. It's like, when I come home, that's it. I might wake up in the middle of the night thinking about work stuff or about other stuff, but I try to keep that as, as separate as possible. Good for you. Not, I don't even have, like, an important job. I can't imagine, you know. People that actually have important jobs? Yeah. Yeah. What it'd be like. Well... The greatest coach of all time, John Wooden, never, ever, ever worked from home. He he said that he felt like once he stepped through those doors, everything that happened inside his own home was way more important than anything that happened outside of it. Hmm. I, it, and this is another reference that most people are not going to get, but if you get a chance to watch a college basketball game with Bill Walton announcing, just do it. Just listen. Like, it doesn't matter if you care about either team. Just listen to Bill Walton for um, a couple hours. The man is... He he played for uh, seven Hall of Fame coaches in his career, including John Wooden. Um, but he's just unhinged. And it's it's hilarious to listen to. So, <laughs> throw it down, big man. Throw it down. <laughs> throw it down, big man. <laughs> that was one of the three worst plays in the history of Arizona basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Yeah. So, <laughs> the conference of champions. There's no truck stops here, <laughs> which is. So he made a what I th believe in the sports world was a pretty controversial statement. Mm -hmm. He said Big Twelve schools, um, their campuses looked like truck stops. Oof! And he said not like the the uh, you know you got the Pacific Northwest and California, and he said there's no truck stops in the Pac-12. So. Instead of like apologizing, which I'm sure he was asked to do, he now repeats that on every single broadcast. <laughs> so. Well, I take 
Bill Walton's challenge and ask him to go to the University of Oklahoma and tell me that it looks like a truck stop. Um, <laughs> after all, we do have a skull and bonesman as the president of such a prestigious university. No way he would take over a truck stop of a university. No, no. Hold Was he? Uh, you got a, a Yaley president? Yep, David Boren. He was in the same class as uh, George W. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> it's like it's really terrible, actually. Um, but uh, my my mother texted me the other day and said that uh, she was so sick of college basketball she could throw up. I guess my stepdad's watching a lot of college basketball. I told oh, her okay. I told her to uh, told her to look at the bright side better than. Uh, 24 7 you know trump is is literally hitler coverage yeah <laughs> <laughs> which she said i think i may be having fox news withdrawals i said you should consult a physician immediately which is <laughs> obviously funny um <laughs> just wow yeah there's uh it's the best college basketball time of year the only good college basketball kind of year really agreed well, Andrew, the uh, the Northern Iowa team had a uh, very Seahawks like experience there. Oh, did they? So their first round game, they won by hitting a half court shot. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like you know Seattle beats Green Bay on with the onside kick and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then um, their second game. They had a 12-point lead with 44 seconds left and lost. Wow. Wow. Not not even missing free throws. They couldn't inbound the ball without throwing it away. Wow. So, it was... They said it was an unprecedented collapse there. If you're really going to compare it to the Seahawks, it'd be like Blair Walsh missing a field goal and then going down by 35 points in the first half to Carolina. <laughs> so, no, it's the, no, the, the being at the one yard line and not being able to oh, yeah. punch it across. That's what yeah, I was saying. Yeah, that's true. All they need to do is get the ball in bounds, like, twice. All they need to do is hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch. There's that. Andrew Hoffman, do you have any other stories for us, or do you have some words of wisdom? Oh. I really hope I don't sound like Donald Duck in this episode, this recording. I'm totally, yeah. I'm very nervous about it because I don't know what went wrong. So, <laughs> I've um, I've got some news. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, Dustin Kensrue released a an album of cover songs. Nice. Called "Thoughts That Float on a Different Blood." And Dustin Kensrue for the uninitiated. Lead singer of Thrice. Thrice, one of your favorite bands. Uh, Christian and had some 9-11 Truth lyrics back in the day. True. So, a rare combination. Absolutely. Almost as rare as a National Football League coach who is a truther. <laughs> yeah. Which is very very rare i love that about that man i really do yeah. i really do and then <laughs> I, I see other 
other fan groups like booing and poo-pooing him because he's a 9-11 truther. I just think it's like hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh. They're probably they're probably not the only team that eats like all organic. No. Stuff, but uh it's it can't hurt. Well, no, I mean, there what was that uh punter's name for the uh the Minnesota Vikings? He was he uh I think that he may or may not be gay, but he was uh he made a uh a big stink about the way that he was kicked off of the Vikings oh, yeah, and the way yeah, he was treated yeah. by the Vikings. And you may be annoyed with what he did, but a couple of things I took from his story, like he wrote a, he made some blog posts where he talked about how crappy his life was. Did we talk about that on this show? Where he, uh-huh. he was like, woke up at seven thirty, went downstairs, hopped in my car, drove to the training center, got out, had to take it. Or what did he say? Got out, went into the locker room, Change clothes, came out, did some stretches, then went into the cafeteria where I ate all organic food, decided <laughs> to go with scrambled eggs and some par- and a parfait dish of fruit. They can't believe they ran out of raspberries this morning. <laughs> it's like not, it's like 10 a.m. back out. Doesn't on sound the, so bad. It, it's like 10 a.m. back out on the I field. I could write a blog post about my day. <laughs> 10 a.m. back on the field. I guess I'll kick some balls around for now. Launched eight balls over the entire team down the field. It's like ten oh five. Maybe I'll walk to the other end of the field and pick up the balls I just kicked down there and <laughs> kick them back. It's like twelve oh five. I'm feeling tired. Maybe I'll take a nap or go study some film in the film room. Quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. What what film is it, Hunter? <laughs> but he, he just he basically. I mean, he just let us. The, the the common folks see you know how awesome the day to day of an NFL player was and 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 blogged about it and it was it was pretty cool, but he did mention numerous times in that blog post, which is why I'm referencing it now, that it was all organic, anything you want food in the uh, cafeteria. <laughs> yep. So I think that you're probably on to something there. And hey, I mean you're you're a Chip Kelly fan, so I mean he's he's notorious for his smoothies. Smoothies, like, or as or as uh, my daughter calls them, smoothies. Smoothies. Yes. Can like, we have a smoothie, Mom? It's like when you're gonna watch a movie and get a smoothie. It's a smoothie. It's the only way to get a little greenery down there is to drown it in. Dairy and frozen fruit. fruit. Yeah. <laughs> so. Nothing wrong with that. We eat a lot of smoothies around here, too. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we will maybe see you next week. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com. And thank you for your support of this podcast. Thank you.
my dad used to go on Sunday mornings to the uh, to the donut shop, and he would bring back a, a big bunch of donuts, but there would always be a couple of chocolate donuts. I take the chocolate <laughs> donuts and lick them, and put them back in the box. 